listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Topic for today is motivation. How do you stay motivated in sales? Sales is a roller coaster profession. Anybody who's been doing it for a long time knows there are days where you just feel like you're on a treadmill going nowhere. Nothing's getting done. No one's responding. Uh, you can't seem to stay focused. You can't keep the pipeline full. Uh, you can't stay you know, with your head in the game. And then there are days where all of a sudden something catches and you're ramming your head into a brick wall because there's so much to do. You don't know how to prioritize things. So motivation is a key for sales professionals, for the ultra high performers that we work with. That ability to stay motivated is something that comes in extremely handy uh, throughout one's career. And it's something that you really need to focus on in a day-to-day environment. You can't just, you know, hope that you're going to wake up in the morning and and things are going to go the way you want. You need to stay motivated and focused. And Brian Burns and I decided to sit down and talk about the five ways that we believe Uh, You can stay motivated. These are our tips, tricks, and insights. So we hope you guys find this valuable. Hey, Chad. You ever find it's hard to stay motivated in sales? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that most people have, right? In fact, as we're doing this podcast, I'm looking up at my monitor. I've got my calendar. I've got Slack. I've got, what is that? I've got a file open over here. I've got two emails open in front of me. It's like very easy to get distracted. And if I were to focus on any of those things other than the time I'm spending with you, it I would be multitasking, which we all know can't be done, right? It basically is just screwing up two things simultaneously. And so without being able to, you know, put those distractions aside and truly focus, um, you know, sales reps suffer and so do pipelines. And the, the best salespeople out there, including yourself, you know, what, How do you stay motivated? Well, so there's a couple of ways for me. The biggest thing for me has been time blocking, and it's not new, right? But I set up... Uh, at the beginning of every quarter, I set up my weeks uh, so that I know the activities that I have to do in a given week in order to keep the pipeline full, uh, keep accounts moving or expanding, uh, give me the time and the space I need in order to make sure I'm bringing value at every interaction. If I don't do that in advance, if I don't protect those times, then the distractions and the fire drills and all of that get really easy. The next thing you know, you've gone three weeks, you haven't made any outbound prospecting calls, you haven't followed up on the people that said, hey, contact me in a month. And the next thing you know, the pipeline starts to dwindle. So for me, that diligence of time blocking 50% of my week, every given every week has been uh, kind of the most effective way for me to make sure there aren't distractions. Now, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure that switch was pretty hard where you go from having a base salary (laughs) and benefits to having all that independence and a great title. (laughs) Yeah. Look at my title. I run a company. It's not making any damn money, but I run a company. And that's not why we do this, right? I mean, for for me, even when I was an individual contributor uh, or running sales and marketing organizations, if if we weren't focused on the right things in the right way consistently, uh, you saw the you saw the numbers fluctuate. The peaks and valleys were ridiculous, uh, and so the only way to make sure we kind of stayed focused and fought back the natural distractions of business and life and all of that uh, has been the time blocking uh, for me. That's I think been the most effective. I'm I'm curious what's been the most effective for you. 
Well, I'm looking at it, you know, certainly time blocking is great. I'm, you know, I'm very focused guy. I think for me, what motivates me and keeps me, you know, strong is really, I'm super competitive. You know, <laughs> you know kind of, a, I was a middle child. So, you, you know, you kind of, and I told a hiring manager that and he goes, I never heard that before. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I hate the idea that somebody else is either better than me or making more money than me or, you know, more and just in sales. I mean, it was kind of the thing that I found that I could be good at. And I don't know why, but, you know, I was an engineer before and I go, you know, I could work 80 hours a week for the rest of my life and I'll be a B minus to a B plus engineer. Right. I'm never going to be that. I saw the A level guys that could just, you know, crank out these beautiful pieces of code, you know, that just came natural to them. And I'm like, you know, I'm just not, not going to be there. But when I got into sales, it's like, you know, I, I work my butt off and everything. And what every time I did better than somebody else, I felt better. And I don't know if that motivates you or. Oh yeah. It's a dopamine rush, right? I mean, I don't think, I don't think people go into a profession like sales where success is very easy to determine. You, like, like we were talking about before, you either do it or you don't. I don't think people go into it um, unless they are competitive. Now, it may not necessarily be competitive against other members on the team. Uh, I've had some reps that are extremely competitive against themselves, like the, you know, the cliched own worst critic kind of thing. But they know what they're capable of. They know what their top quarter was, and they want to beat it by 10%. Um, or they want to bring in you know, more new logos than they did the time before. And sometimes it's internal competition. Sometimes it's competition with self. Uh, and sometimes it's competition with you know, true competitors. Like you know the sales sales reps that are selling competing products. Uh, and if you have any sense of connection or community with them, you know, we all kind of will share how we're doing. Um, and so maybe it's just competing against them, but that constant benchmarking, uh, is something that, that I, I see a lot of people do. And for me, it's, it's, it's part of the fun. I mean, it's really part of the fun. It is. And I can always tell a B player that if they're, if they lose a deal, they're okay with it. You know, I'm like, and I used to, when I move first move into managers, I, I go all the reps, I go, tell me who you're competing. With. I want you to know their names. I want you to know where they live. I want you to know, <laughs> I, want, I want you to know what kind of car they drive, you know, and you know, if they lost a deal, I, I literally would do this in a pipeline review. I go, give me your wallet. <laughs> I would literally take money out of their wallet and give the wallet back to them to make them feel what it's like when they lose a deal. Oh yeah. And they, they now 20 some years later, they still remind me of those stories that I have since forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I would lose sleep if I lost a deal and I, I I'd make sure I knew the person's name. I, I'd have headhunters calling them, giving them new opportunities. It was just, yeah, because it was, <laughs> You know, I mean, you worked for one of those, you know, the oh, parametric yeah. was like cr crazy competitive, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, I, and it's something that continues for me today. Like when I started working with uh, Value Selling Associates and there's, I, I'm sure everybody out there probably knows how this works, but Value Selling Associates has the IP and then all of the rest of us kind of a franchise model. We have to be certified and, and do all of this stuff, but we all work as a community. And there's one guy uh, who runs his little uh, franchise. He's been doing it for 15 years. He's been the top dog for... I want to say the last seven or eight in terms of revenue generation I mean, multiple millions of dollars generated in revenue. And we were at our associates meeting 
what, three months ago. And in front of the entire room, you know, Scott was standing up there. He was accepting his award for, you know, having crushed it again. And uh, we go to the break and I walk up to him and I'm like, I, I think you need to get really comfortable holding that award. And he's like, why? Like, That's the last one you're going to hold. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, did you just call me out? And I'm like, hey, man, you're top dog. I'm coming for you. Like, it's just, and it's not a, it's not an aggressive thing. It's just like, Hey, it's, it's a fun part of the competition. Like you're crushing it. Yep. You have to have, you have to know you have a target on your back. And if you're one of the guys who isn't crushing it and you're not spending time with those that are in an attempt to get better, you're missing a huge opportunity. I mean, that's for me, that's part of the juice, you know, the juice as we call it in sales to, to motivate me to stay focused and do those call blocks or do those things that you don't really want to do. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, the results will get you to that top of the podium. Right. And, and I think a lot of people early in sales, they think, you, oh, you're going to get over the rejection or you're going to become so callous or so, <laughs> you know, so good that you won't face it. It's like, huh, I think people still face it. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and every freaking rejection still hurts, man. I mean, yeah. I've been doing this for 20 some odd years. I wish I could get cut. Well, I guess my, maybe my ex-wife would say I am. But in terms of sales, not necessarily like every rejection. It just hurts. Like you're like, I could have done better. I could have, I could have done that better. I could have moved that forward. I could have answered that question more effectively, right? And so maybe the rejection is not a no, and somebody hangs up on you, or no, you lost a deal. But I think the empathy uh, that sales reps have to have these days in order to connect with the people that they're selling to also has, you know, kind of I don't want to say a dark side, but it has a side where they have to be able to deal with that on an ongoing basis. And how have you gotten to work around? Do you look in the future? Do you just have a pattern that you go through? Do you go running? Do you have a drink? <laughs> what, 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 yeah, what all of the above. No. Uh, so for me, it's um, I have I, I typically have a heavy bag in the in the yeah. office somewhere. Nice. Uh, and so I'll unleash on that. And then uh, you know we celebrate. For me, it's I've always, especially in complex sales, you celebrate the small wins, right? And this goes back to how to stay motivated, right? In a long tail sale, that I mean, I'm to selling 12, 18 month types of deals in a, in a long tail sale with that many people involved, you have to celebrate the little wins. And that's where I go have a drink with the crew. And we talk about, okay, this is, look, we did this. We were successful. We got, you know, the next commitment or the next meeting, whatever it is. Uh, and then while we're doing that, we're saying, okay, well, what do we need to do next? What's the next goal, right? How do we set that? So setting the goals along the way, uh, making sure you stay focused on those, celebrating them when you hit them. And when you don't hit them or something goes awry, fi take 15 minutes, blow off the steam, go for a run, hit the heavy bag, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, get on your motorcycle and go 100 miles an hour down the road, whatever it is, but then let it go. Because if yep. you carry it with you, it's just going to continue to drag you down. Yeah, keep saying next. <laughs> next. <laughs> yep. All right, uh -oh. next. Yeah, some actor or comedian had that. He's like, you just go outside <laughs> and say next after you get rejected for a film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the other thing is that a lot of reps, a lot of listeners of the podcast, they are very concerned about getting fired. And it's like you can't focus on that because whatever you focus on will most likely happen. You've got to focus on being number one. You focus on, you know, getting the next deal. 
showing your manager that you're in this game, that you, you can figure it out, that you're putting in the time and the smarts to get the thing moving in the right direction, as opposed to worrying at night, oh, am I going to make it? Am I going to get canned? And it's like, if you're worried about that, it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about where you're putting the energy too, right? Like if that's, if that's really what you're worried about, um, then, then you just wasted however much time you spent worrying about that, that you could have been applying to moving a deal forward, getting ready for a deal, getting ready for a meeting, something that would have been, you know, positively impacted your direction and your career, not, not fear, right? If you, if you react from a place of fear, that's all you're doing is reacting. And the best salespeople, the ones that are the most motivated that I've seen, and, and including myself, I get motivated by being proactive. Like, okay, this is the current situation and maybe it sucks. Maybe it's not optimal, but there's a way to turn this around. So how do I do that? How do I proactively engage, plan, put a plan together and a strategy that I can execute that's going to turn this around rather than, hey, I'm worried about my boss coming down on me. You know what? If you're in sales and your boss hasn't come down on you, that means you're a unicorn and you hit quota every <laughs> quarter, which is very rare, right? So just get used to it. <laughs> Focus on what you need to do to be successful. Don't worry about what's going to happen if you're not. Yeah, I, I always say that, you know, the only fear you should worry about is the fear of missing out because yeah. It, yeah. this is like the only career that you have, you know, almost total control over your income. It's like there's no other thing. And it also comes down to if you're not money motivated, sales probably isn't the thing for you. Right. Especially especially right now. Now, there's a lot of talk, and you, know, you and I should tackle this at one point, too, but there's a lot of talk about, well, maybe they get rid of variable commission, yeah. go to flat sit. And I'm just like, yeah, check out for me. <laughs> like, no, that's not – I don't do this – I don't do this for uh, you know trying to solve world peace. Like like this is about the money at the end of the day. Um, and and if you're money motivated, this is the perfect place to be. I don't know of any place else. It depends on the comp plan and what kind of organization you're working for. But like you said, you have control over it. Your activity, your focus, your effectiveness determines how much money you make, not how well the company as a whole did or what your boss decided to do or how much the board decided to kick back or whatever it is. It's you, right? And that awareness, that um, accountability is, at least for me, another huge way I stay motivated. There's nobody to blame if the pipeline looks like crap. It's me, right? And so... That is a great deal of freedom. It's a little risky. <laughs> There's a lot of risk in sales, but that gives you the opportunity to be accountable for your actions and see what you're capable of, not only in terms of earning, but what companies can you get into and all of the myriad of things that happen in a complex sale. That accountability and that uh, ability to operate independently, that is a, is a huge benefit uh, to being a sales professional that I don't see in a lot of other professions. And I think a lot of companies are making huge mistakes right now. And I'm not sure what's causing it, whether it's the the division of labor that's going on. There's so many people involved. But I was looking at this uh, webinar the other day, and it's like 50% of the people are making their number. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but... You know, if only 50% making their number, it's like something's wrong. Well, yeah, you know, and, the, and it's gotten worse, right? I remember was, what it, it dropped. I didn't see that women number, but I've heard that stat recently. I want to say it was like six years ago, 56% or 55. Don't quote me on that, but it was over 50. And now the latest stats will show you 48 to 50%. If less and less people are making their number, something is seriously wrong. <laughs> seriously and, wrong. And, and I, I don't think it's a sales issue. 
I, I think it's an operations issue. I had a, a consultant who does nothing but comp plan uh, consulting on on one of my podcasts. And he says, you know, well, the companies want to target it in the 60s. And I'm like, really? I mean, shouldn't it be 80-20 like everything else in the world? And, it, and it's like and you can see what's happening because what they're doing is making the, the quotas high so they can have a high on target income. Sure. You know, and, you know, I, I've always called myself a comp planologist, you know, because, <laughs> because let's face it, you know, if the comp plan doesn't work, it, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are, you can't make money. Right. And if you can't make money, you're not excited. I mean, exactly. let's face it. When are you motivated? At 80% of your quota or 120% of your quota? Yeah, I, I, I want to hit 100. I want to get past the accelerators. I love it when you can get to the opportunity where they go, you know what? We didn't account for that type of revenue in the, in the comp plan. Yeah. And that just means that the C-level somewhere got pissed off because they found out how much money I was making. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, they'll get over it. Yeah. You know, I love when they ask, do you mind uh, deferring some of that? And I go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do mind deferring it. Uh, yeah. So let's not even have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I go, are you deferring the recognition of it? Are right. you deferring the what it did to the stock price of the company? <laughs> right. I might get 10% of it, but you're getting 10x on the evaluation of the top line. Yeah. Oh, without and, a and people quickly forget about that. You know, oh, you own 10% of the company? You know, I, I gave you a 10% equity increase. And people are like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and that's used to be my interview process with like an early stage startup. I go, you know, you earn this, you know, if I bring in an extra million, what does that mean to you personally? Right. And they're like, means a lot. You know, oh, because <laughs> yeah. It, it, it makes sure I get my bonus and I keep my job and I could, my career continues to go up. Right. It's just, to me, it's amazing where we see, you know, back to that whole salary issue. Like, do we, do we, should we give them less commission because there's so many people involved in sales? Well, first off, there's a couple of things there. I think we've got an age component to it, like a generational component to it. And I think we've got this belief that if there's more people involved, it's going to be more effective. But if that effectiveness comes at a cost, and I'm not 100% sure I buy that. Like for the reps that are the ones that want to make that type of money, maybe they want to retire early. Maybe they want to buy a boat. Maybe they want to send their kids to school, right? They're willing to take the risk because there are quarters and we've all had them. There are quarters where you go, oh crap, is that all I got paid this quarter? <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I got to really like turn it up, right? There's ups and downs that have to be managed. There's serious risk. And a lot of people that complain about what salespeople make only complain when the sales reps are bringing in the big bucks, but never really have much to say on those months or those quarters where something went sideways and they didn't hit a number and they're, you know, cracking open sales savings accounts to pay mortgages and things, right? It's just, there's a risk reward ratio that attracts a certain type of individual. And you're not going to get that superhuman effort at the end of the quarter for people who aren't getting comped on it. You're right. just not. You're going to get smiles and nods and excuses and that that doesn't bring in a deal. It right. is, you know, it, big deals or even hard deals require somebody to get emotionally attached to it working. And why are you emotionally attached? Because you're financially attached. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and if, you know, I, I hear that argument all the time by the bike riding, you know, pot smoking entrepreneurs who think, <laughs> oh, we don't need to. And, and it's like, yeah, you're selling a $12 a month product. It's right. like, get off, get off of it, you know. <laughs> 
oh, you know, that's awesome. right. And they have great support and it's like, okay, yeah. And you know, everybody gets to kumbaya at the end of the day. It's like you lucked out, but that's not the way the real world works. You know, how, how often does your phone ring? Right. It's like, we're out there making things happen and that's why you get paid for it. Well, and I think there's a lot of, we, we have a tendency, uh, the media helps with this, right. Especially in, in our industry, but we have a tendency to celebrate those that have been extremely successful. And there are very few that will be uh, painfully blunt about what it took for them to be that successful, especially in sales. There's a podcast called Sales Success Stories, and I think Ingram is the guy that runs it. But um, he talks to these ultra top performers, and they lay out the amount of effort that goes into them achieving these numbers. And you and listen to it and you go, yeah, okay, totally makes sense. But then you talk to other reps and then maybe they've heard one and they go, man, could you believe how hard that person was working? I don't, I don't think I could do that. Well, then maybe it's time to think about your career choice because sales, like revenue doesn't fall off a of trees. It just doesn't fall off a of tree. So if you're not competitive, if you're not motivated, if you're not money driven, right? If you're not, if you don't get motivated by working with a community of individuals like that, then you, you probably need to start looking about doing something else. Right. And, and if you're not willing to, you know, take that feedback, that really ego crushing feedback of, <laughs> of when you lose a deal and own it. You know, how many reps, when they lose a deal, it's everything but them, oh, yeah. right? Oh, it's yeah. price, it's product, it's timing, it's the customer has issues, you know, <laughs> but nothing about them. If, if every deal I lose, I say, because I lost one deal this, this quarter just because I overlooked an email. And I'm like, oh, God, how could I have done something so stupid? You know, so now I'm like, you know, and it wasn't like an email email. It was like a LinkedIn email. Right. And I'm like, you know, the problem is I get like 100 a day. <laughs> You know, congratulations on this. And did you see me on this? Thanks for connecting. And you're like, blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's so rare that someone reaches out to me as opposed to me connecting with me proactively doing something. And I go, no, I've got to go through all of them every day yeah. and not miss them. Yeah, it's that it's that ownership, right? That ownership and working with one of the big things for motivation for me is, is that sense of community, right? So sales reps have a tendency at times, I think, to get pretty siloed into their own heads, right? Especially depending on the size of the organization, maybe they're off and running, competing internally. One of the things that I have seen be very effective and actually was taught this by uh, one of the top performers that worked for me uh, a few years ago is that sense of community, is that making time once a month, once a quarter to get together with other sales reps uh, maybe they're in your industry, maybe they're not, but at least let's say they're at least all doing B2B complex sales. You get together, you have a couple of drinks and you dissect each other's deals and you take that brutal ego crushing feedback yeah. <laughs> and you internalize it and you, you pick each other up, right? It becomes that, you know, your own little tribe, so to speak. And that surrounding yourself with that type of community, I think is also extremely motivating. Yeah. I mean, I had the good fortune. I had the same, you know, SE says, you know, sales engineer who worked with me for four different companies over 10 years. You know, we, we went, we were like a couple. We just got <laughs> hired, you know, because the VP goes, do you know any good SEs? I go, ah, he's, he's okay. You know, like, <laughs> but, but, but the, the, the mojo that we had is we would rip each other apart when we, oh. when we messed up. You know, I, I missed a flight once. He goes, if I miss that flight, you be up my butt so deep. I, oh, yeah. You know, and I go, I know, I know. 
But, you know, because he was always like walking up to the gate at the last possible moment oh. or he give me his bag. He goes, can you watch this? I'm going to go get a coffee. I'm like, I'm not watching your bag. Who am I? You know, but after every call, you know, if it, if the machine, the demo didn't work, I'd just be rolling my eyes and he'd be like, I know, I know, I know. I like, oh, okay. and, and if I didn't like close for the next meeting, he goes, yeah, we're not getting that deal. You know, it's like you've you've had better meetings. You oh, know? Yeah. And. You know, it hurt. And I at the time, I wish I didn't hear it, but it, it got me on my game. You know, it was just I know because, you know, because his income was based off of my income. Right. You know, and he'd like to pull out pictures of his kids. They're going hungry, Brian. <laughs> They're going hungry. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But it's you true, know. though, right? And I think a lot of sales reps, you know, this is one of the things that always, when I would start managing a new team, and I would say, guys, look, our, our job is obviously to bring in revenue for the company, but it's not bringing in revenue for the company. It's making sure that the kids of the consultants or the project managers or whoever are fed. And have the opportunity to go to school. That everybody that works here, we have the revenue so that they can have benefits and they can live a good life. Yes, we're going to make a lot of money doing it. And yes, it's going to hurt because we're going to work harder, put in more time, and take more feedback than any other department in the, in the group. But it isn't just about us. And so trying to create that sense of community internally and then seeking it outside uh, from other peers that would be just brutally honest. Um, that to me is maybe it's masochistic, but it's also extremely motivating and empowering because if somebody can point out where I can do better, I feel like if they've taken the time to at least say that or, or give me that feedback, then I owe them the respect of actually listening and seeing if I can internalize it. Yeah, because nobody wants to hurt your feelings. Right. And, and I, you know, certainly when you become a sales manager, you've got to you're going to hurt someone's feelings, you know, emotionally, but you know, and when we talk about, you know, what makes salespeople successful, I hate when people say work, hard work. It's like, obviously, I mean, there's no getting around it, but I would like to dig in, you know, and what I see is typically what you told me, like those habits, you know, structuring your time, owning your time, controlling your time, being focused on it. And, and also being able to accept that you're not Superman, that you have a you know punching bag to release that frustration because it's never you're never going to go away, you know, unless you're a sociopath, you're never going to get completely away from being, you know, I got rejected this morning about something and I'm like, what? the And it still bugs me. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, especially once you get out on social media, forget it. Oh, yeah. You know, everyone loves to hate, you know, yeah. it's like sport. But <laughs> You know, if you, but if you have structure and you have habit and you move on and you just, you know, accept that, you know, people have bad days, you have bad days. But anything else that you, you know, really works for you? Have you seen work for other people? I, in terms of getting motivated in the spot, this is kind of a, you know, before a call block or before a big meeting, I'm, I'm a big music fan. So there's always, yeah. there's always a song that gets played, right? And I'd say the last one for me is always making sure I have goals. Is if whether it's set, you know, by a manager or not, if I don't have goals for myself of what I expect for myself, um, I am one of those guys that is the harshest critic. 
perfect. Like I screw something up, nobody's going to give me more crap than I'm going to give myself. But I want to set goals because it it gives you that uh, kind of the combination of everything, right? You're setting goals so you can time block towards it. You're going to celebrate those small wins when you hit it. It gives you something to focus on and strive for, and it keeps you focused on the game, not necessarily the the you know the, 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 the feedback and the rejection that you get as a result of being in the game. Right. Yeah. You don't care about the first inning. All you care about is did you win or did you lose? <laughs> right. You know. And, and I think the times that I have done it and I'm doing it now, like first thing in the morning, you know, I, I kind of it's not really a meditation, but I, I just kind of like visualize what I want. I just ask myself, what do I want? You know, and I, I kind of, you know, just talk myself into it. Why do I want it? And I, I come up, why do I want it? And then if you have some kind of, you know, either auditory being a song or a visual, I use to have, you know, as a screensaver, like this, you know, tropical island because club was in Hawaii that year. Right. And go, I'm going, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to let someone else get that statue. You know, <laughs> so I'm getting that little trophy. There's no way, you know, because uh, funny stories like I, the first time, first company I worked with, with that SC, the, the guy in New York was best friends with the VP of sales. The VP of sales had that territory before he was number one, like you had in your company, like three, three years in a row. And I told my VP, I go, I'm going to crush him this year. I had a <laughs> brand new territory, shitty territory with, you know, <laughs> not much help, you know, did, did nothing. It was like some orphan thing. I go, I'm going to crush him, you know, and, and this guy, he, he was, he got lazy, you know, he got like, you know, he had big accounts, repeat business. I had none of that. And I go, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him. And that, that excited me, you know, and, and if you have that and you work on it on a daily basis, that will get you away from the hangups, the unsubscribes, the leave me alones or not interested, whatever it is that annoys the hell out of you. Oh yeah. And that mantra in the morning, it's so funny, the, the research on uh, people presenting uh, and stage fright, right? I read a book on, on the history of stage fright. And the, one of the biggest things that changes the way somebody performs on stage is the last thing they say to themselves before they walk out on stage. And so if instead of, holy crap, I'm scared because I'm going to go do public speaking and I suck at it. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. It makes a world of difference. And so making sure you're doing all of those little things all along the way and make sure that staying motivated is part of your everyday uh, routine. Uh, the results will speak for themselves. All right, everyone, that does it for another episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I hope you found that insightful, enjoyable, took some value away from it. Uh, Brian and I uh, talk a lot about motivation. We spent a lot of time trying to motivate ourselves, and hopefully we were able to give you guys some insights uh, and some ways that you can do the same uh, in your day-to-day -day and in your sales career. I want to thank everybody for listening. And again, please leave us a review on iTunes. Drop me an email. Let me know what kind of guests or topics you'd like us to cover. And until next time, please remember... We at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.